afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity. I'd like to call in the ancestors my own and those of everyone listening to the show today that we might all be guided by those who have gone before us. We call in their energies to bring us all that is good and true and beautiful in our own ancestral lines, that that legacy might support us in stepping forward in a way today that we have never stepped forward before. Let us trust and feel the flow of the energies from the ancestors moving through us to create that which the descendants need. So let us be in the flow of the energy of the immortality of humanity here on this planet and bring it forward today in the best way possible, drawing on who we are, our own unique genius, and the great legacy that stands behind us. We call out to the energy of the earth to be with us here today, the most ancient ancestor, and give gratitude for this exquisite home that we all share. And as the earth gets smaller and smaller, as our connectedness to each other goes larger and larger, Let us reach out to this home with our hearts and give deep gratitude today for the miracle of being alive. If you are listening to this show today, you are alive. And that is a profound miracle. Do one thing today that acknowledges, that expresses, that accepts the miracle that is you and your life. So we call out to the earth with great gratitude for the miracle that is life and that we share it here on this exquisitely beautiful planet. And may we do it in a way that is good for all living things. And we let our hearts rise up. We reach up to the energy of the sky and we call down blessing and generosity and the benevolence of this universe in which we live. We call down all the wisdom of the sky. We call down the protection of the realms from above. And by whatever name you call the highest power in the universe, call that energy down to be within us, to gather around us, to hold us in a good way that we may be together in a non-local village here today for this conversation. And we call out finally to the energy in each and every one of you in your heart, that which resonates at the very core of your being, the heart that is the juncture of all the realms and all the living things. We reach into the heart and we honor the energy of the heart. As it connects to the belly, we call up the passions of this life, And as we reach out in the heart, we call down the energy of the mind to bring us clarity, guidance, some sort of inspiration for how to bring the truth of who we are forward in this day. We let those energies merge in the heart because it's the only place they can. So we let the truth of who we are and the clarity of that being to merge in the heart and be expressed in our thoughts, words, and deeds in this day. May we be together in a good way this afternoon, and I welcome you to our circle, as today we talk about initiation and why we desperately need it. So as I welcome you to this conversation here today about initiation, it is live. We're live today. You can call in. You can send emails. The call-in number is 866-472-5795, and the email is christina at lastmasscenter.org. So as we move into this conversation about initiation, I want to let you know that the guests that are coming up are all initiated people. The next four weeks, uh, three weeks, are all initiated people. 
um, and possibly into the next month, because I want for you to hear the way in which an initiated person sees the world, how they see their day, and the practicality of their life. How, how do they see themselves in the same world you live in, and how do they approach whatever it is that they've been given in their life to do? The shamans are not the only initiated people. That any, anything we choose to do in our life that is ultimately a path of mastery has within it an initiatory function. Some are simply more profound than others. The shamanic initiation happens to be extremely profound. And others are simply more subtle, but they all involve a fundamental transformation of the person who is on that path of mastery. So this is what we're here to talk about today, initiation. So what I propose to you, the hypothesis I would like for you to chew on this afternoon, is the idea that initiation itself is simply a life process. And by life process, I mean something very specific. A life process is something that's going to happen to you or try to happen to you regardless of what you think you're doing and what you think you're in control of and what you think is happening and what you think your job is on the planet. That life processes occur again and again in life. They happen to us because it is part of the fabric of being human on this planet spinning through this universe at this, in this time, whatever time is. It's just the nature of what is. And that life processes will happen whether we get on board or not. And my experience of life processes is that if we get on board the life process when it's happening, which means we have to recognize it, we have to know how to write it, we know how to have to know how to participate in it, we know how... We have to know how to end with it. If we can do that, our life transforms into an exquisite experience of the great richness and complexity of life while at the same time simplifying. It creates a paradoxical way to live in the world. But this is what I believe everybody's asking for, when they, at least when they come to me as clients. This is what they're actually asking for underneath everything. So a life process, it's going to happen anyway. You might as well participate in it because if you don't participate in it, it just hammers you and it just keeps coming back again and again trying to happen. So the particular life process we're going to talk, there are several life processes, but the one we're going to talk about today exclusively is initiation. And some of the hypothesis I'd like you to chew on is that initiation has been trying to happen to you your whole life. Well, not your whole life because you get to be a kid. But about adolescence, part of the confusion of a contemporary American adolescence is that your culture is supposed to be initiating you, and it's not. And that adds to what is already a confusing time in life. So to be clear, or to try to be clear with you all, I'm going to talk about two different kinds of initiation, or two different phases, perhaps, of initiation today. One is the the universal initiation of humans, which is that initiation that needs to occur from childhood to adulthood. And what we're going to talk about today is you don't just age into adulthood. And we're going to talk about different ways we know that that's true. But that there is an initiation that needs to occur from childhood to adulthood. For that to happen, there need to be some adults in your culture, and they need to clarify for you what it means to be an adult. But that ultimately, the initiation happens 
via your relationship with spirit and you return to your village an adult and you are acknowledged as such but then also expected to behave as as an adult. And if we expected Americans suddenly to behave as adults and if you weren't going to be called an adult unless you behaved that way, we would have very few people at the grown-up table for dinner. Because America is a culture of, of very, very young people, very um, undeveloped spiritually. And so what we're really talking about is creating a culture that once again values spiritual adulthood, not just growing up, getting old, accumulating things, becoming the best at what you do, raising kids, these things that are markers in our contemporary life. But from what I see from the clients that come to me, they don't possess the kind of meaning people came into the world expecting to find in their life. And so I'm not judging anyone's life. All I'm talking about is what do you do? How can you begin to understand what's happening when you've done everything you expected you were going to do with your life and you still haven't found the quality of meaning you thought somewhere was promised you, was part of the deal? And I think that that wondering, where's that meaning, where's that depth, where's that purpose, is, is legitimate. It is part of the deal that you made to come here. And so where is it and how do we get to it? And that's part of a huge function that allows us to do that is initiation. So what we're going to talk about, I've said, we can either help initiation happen or we can hinder it. And so what is it? Okay, so initiation, my hypothesis here for you all to chew on, is that initiation is a function. It's not a particular ritual. It's not a particular ceremony. It's not a particular event. It's a function that happens that fundamentally transforms you. So let's start with the childhood to adulthood initiation. The fundamental transformation from childhood to adulthood is to give up your relationship with your biological parents, whether you ever knew them or not, or and the people that raised you, if they happen to be different from your biological parents. But you give up your child orientation with the grown-ups in your life that raised you and all of the debts you feel they owe you for all the ways they didn't love you right, they didn't listen to you, they didn't hear you, all that stuff the ways they may have abused you, or whatever. You give up that system of debts in a desperate attempt to save your own life. Because the only way to save your life in a true initiation experience from childhood to adulthood is to drop that baggage, because otherwise you can't stay afloat in the experience. And you reach out for the one lifeline that's always there for you. Because you know what? Humans can't always be there for you. It's impossible. But the one thing that is always there for you, no matter how many times you turn your back, no matter how many times you cuss and swear and turn away and do silly things, the spirit world is there for you. And so in a true initiation experience from childhood to adulthood, you realize the only way to stay afloat and not drown is to drop the baggage, drop the debts, drop the story, Drop all that has been that has defined you as you are and the tiny little ego you've shaped by the time you're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. And you let it go. And you reach out for spirit as father, spirit as mother. So you're reaching out into the archetypal energy of mother and father and allowing those roles within your psyche to be filled by spirit. And you're stepping up within yourself 
to that inner role of parent that allows your inner child to be a child and you get to start to now function as a grown-up. So you're no longer living through your wounded child story, your need to grow up and get what you want. But you're now the parent. You're now the source of love for that child within yourself. And the spirit world holds you in its arms as your, as your beloved parents. And in this way, you return to your village, an adult, ready to take on adult responsibilities, to forgive the mistakes of your childhood, to set boundaries where you need healthy boundaries, to speak honestly and truthfully, and to begin to function as an adult, and then, as we're going to break, and then, to open yourself up as a functional spiritual adult in this community of other functional spiritual adults, to open yourself up to the initiation into your calling. And that's the second initiation that we'll talk about today, is initiation into your calling. What are you here to do? What's your soul's purpose? And now that you're a grown-up, how do you get about the business of doing So as we move into this break, I'd like you to think about how your life might be different had you been initiated in your teenage years. What might have happened and what might not have happened. Welcome back, everyone. This is Why Shamanism Now. And today's topic is initiation and why we need it desperately. So before I go any further talking about initiation, I would like to take a moment and just honor and recognize the long-standing, beautiful, organized religions of the world. Um, many of them have what were, what obviously came out of initiatory experiences because of the age that these experiences happen at. And they're in Catholicism and Judaism and, you know, all these different religions. And these ceremonies create a certain marking of a passage from childhood to adulthood within that religious belief system. And I am not talking about those today. I'm not judging them or saying anything about them at all. Um, they're lovely, and every religion is welcome to do what it chooses as long as it supports the well-being of all living things. So that's not what I'm talking about today, because what I'm talking about is an initiatory experience that humans need, regardless of race, religion, sex, whatever, sexual orientation. It doesn't matter. The point is humans need a paradigm shift to get out of childhood and into adulthood. And that is the essence of the transformation. The function at the core of initiation is that transformation of the paradigm of how I as a human view myself in the world. That paradigm has to shift for initiation to be real, for it to be functional. So we'll leave religions on their own, and we're talking simply about being a human. And as we go further today, we'll talk about shamanic initiation specifically. Um, but I just want to make sure that we're, we really understand that for initiation to work, you have to be so afraid that you're truly going to die that you're willing to let your old operating system in your mind, all those emotional set patterns about how you run your emotions in your life and your orientation and how you see yourself physically in the world go, to truly let it all go and embrace the unknown and find something in yourself that you didn't know was there, that has the ability to sustain you through the journey of the unknown with just faith, trust, and surrender to get to the bridge, to get across the bridge of initiation to the other side. And there are no guarantees in this process. That's initiation. And that used to happen for every teenager 
in indigenous cultures to get from childhood to adulthood. So we're not, we're, we're really talking about how do we get out of the way mentally, emotionally, and physically to allow this spiritual experience of growing up is what it amounts to. But it's really an internal paradigm shift around our relationship with our spiritual self. As a kid, you know, we always say, well, kids are so big spiritually. Yeah, they are. And they have no responsibility relative to that. And they're cared for. They are walking in and out of realms all the time, and we're just trying to watch out for them. But once they become adults, they need to start to watch out for themselves. And so there's there's a shift in responsibility in relationship with spirit. So one of, really, truly, one of the most beautiful contemporary explorations of this whole issue is in Maladoma Somme's book, um, Ritual Power, Healing, and Community. Um, oh, actually, it's in Of Water and Spirit. Sorry, wrong book title. Anyway, Of Water and Spirit. So what Maladoma is talking about in his book is his experience of being a child growing up in a village in West Africa, being stolen, taken to the um, to be raised in the world of the Jesuit priests and educated in a Eurocentric education system. And in that process, becoming so soul-sick as a child that had, you know, his first six years of life really oriented towards a path that was going to happen as a village kid, and then all of a sudden he's transported in this whole other world. And frankly, he doesn't know where he is even physically on the planet relative to his village. He's just somewhere else. He's been there since he was six. And he finally, in, in deep soul sickness, without being truly conscious of what he's doing, he leaves. He escapes, technically. But basically the point is he just kind of walks out and walks home, which takes days. And you have to remember, he's walking across West Africa, and the boy doesn't know where home is relative to where he is. But he's pulled and guided by spirit because his need, his soul sickness, his need is so great that the spirit world literally guides him home. So he gets back to his village, he's reunited with his family, and everyone thinks and lives happily ever after. That's what you all would think, because you're good Westerners, right? No. That was just the beginning of the story, in a sense. Because what they find is that he's been shaped by the Western world, by a very Eurocentric education system, and he's an intelligent man, and he's speaking languages, and he's all that stuff. But what he is, is he's a Westerner now. He's shaped to be a Westerner. And the elders finally come to him. He's about 20. And the elders of his village finally come to him and say, Maladoma, our son, we are so, so happy in our hearts that you are home with us. We, you know, we have missed you. We longed for you and the gifts that you have to bring to the world. We are so happy that you're here with us. But by our standards, as this village, you're not a man. And your behavior as a young adult, physically, chronologically, in an adult body, without having been brought to that place spiritually, as a spiritual adult, is so disruptive to our village life. If you do not choose to go through the initiation process from childhood to adulthood, we have to ask you to leave. Can you imagine that? You've walked across, you know, a big chunk of West Africa, you know, crazed out of your mind in soul sickness. You finally find your way home. You're happy to be home. You're reunited with your family, and they tell you if you don't grow up, you have to leave. Where the hell are you going to go? I mean, imagine that moment. So, Maladoma begins to prepare 
and and goes through the initiatory process for boys that is traditional for his people. And he, so he's 20 with a bunch of, you know, 14-year-olds. Now, the difference between 14 and 20 is big, remember? Not so big, you know, 56 to 60, whatever, but, you know, 14 to 20 is a big gap. So here he is with a bunch of boys that are doing a whole lot better at this experience of being initiated than he is. And he's got all this Western training, speaks a bunch of different languages, all this great stuff going for him, right? But how does he know how to become a spiritual adult? So anyway, the happiness of the story is that he does survive this experience because he does finally learn to surrender and give up much of the the person that he's become he trades that in, you know, he gives that up so he can reach out to spirit as the handhold to draw him into adulthood. It's a beautiful, of water and spirit, it's beautiful, beautiful story to help you really understand. And it's really just about not the initiation of Maladoma as a shaman or as a elder, spiritual functionary in his village, but the initiation of, of, of a 20-year-old man into manhood, as his culture understands that. So that's... The, the important thing that I really wanted to talk about, and now I'm going on and on and we're starting to run out of time, but one of the things about this that Maladoma continues to say, if you look at this template for initiation, is then if you look at gangs, part of what gangs are can be seen, can be seen as, if you just look at the energy, is an organic expression of the need in the youth for an initiatory experience. I see that all the time, soul parts, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, stoned on the couch. Not because they're high, that's not the trauma. The trauma is they're looking around for the adults who are going to initiate them and there's nobody home. There's nobody there in their lives around them to initiate them. And the soul sickness, especially of young men, but young women as well, the soul sickness that I am stuck in this realm of childhood as I'm growing physically into adulthood because there are no adults around to initiate me. I bring soul parts that are traumatized around that back all the time. So we are seeing in our culture many signs of what happens because we are not initiating our youth. So the other thing about gangs that Maladoma speaks to, which I think is really insightful is that part of the reason gangs escalate in violence is because you go and you do this life-threatening thing which is your initiation but then when you come back there aren't any adults home in the village to say yes you become adult these are your new responsibilities let's go be a productive member of society and so they go back into the initiatory experience and their activities keep escalating in danger and in violence but also in danger because danger is is a function in the initiatory process. Maladoma speaks of this much far better than I am right now, but the point is it becomes a cyclical, incomplete experience because partly because we're not really bringing in the spiritual piece of the initiation of the children in the first place. But the second place is there aren't any grown-ups for them to come back to to be congratulated into joining that circle of adults and welcomed back into the society. It's, you need to be able to see grown-ups all around you behaving as adults, as spiritual adults in their everyday life. Most kids don't get to see that. So this is, this. I personally 
believe this lack of initiation is also at the root of a great deal of our mental unwellness and the things that lead to a certain amount of medication around basic levels of depression, but also self-medication, addictive behaviors to try to avoid this deep gnawing feeling that something didn't happen back then in high school and junior high that needs to happen for me to really engage in my life. So just to bring this back around in a moment, many people say, oh, well, Christina, there's the school of hard knocks. That initiates us. And no, it doesn't. Life is life. Life is meant to be challenging and teach you things, right? That's the whole point. Look at all those spiritual and mystical practices. We're here to learn and we're here to teach. That's life. That's normal. Initiation is a cut above. And so that's what we're talking about. If life was going to initiate us, our world would be filled with a bunch of happy, wise, elder people. And that's not what we're seeing right now. So this is the reason, these are the reasons, plural, that we desperately need to understand how do we confront this issue and bring initiation back into our culture. So a little more about this when we come back, and we'll talk about shamanic initiation specifically. Welcome to the show if this is the first time you're listening, and please come back. Welcome back, everyone. We're at a bit of a fork in the road here of where to go with our conversation about initiation and why we, as contemporary American people, desperately need it. Um, and I've been sitting here during this break asking my ancestors to guide me here in the direction that we need to go. And as usual, the direction spirit's telling me to go in the one I would have picked. But we're going to go there anyway. We're going to trust the ancestors and move forward. So I am going to um, open the handy-dandy um, Encyclopedia of Shamanism, written by Christina Pratt, to the page marked by the beautiful Why Shamanism Now bookmark. And anyone who wants to get on our Reminder list, we'll send you an email once a week to remind you of the show and the topic of the show for that week. Um, you just let me know, Christina, at lastmesscenter.org, and we'll send you a beautiful Why Shamanism Now bookmark for your efforts. So moving the Why Shamanism Now bookmark out of the way, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the initiation of the shaman. Um, and I was asking my ancestors, so why should we take this path? I want this show to be useful for people in the world. And since most people listening aren't going to ever be initiated as shamans, why should they need to know this? And the ancestors looked at me like I was a dope, as usual, and said, because they need to pick shamans to help them. How are they going to find the shamans to help them to heal? How are they going to find the shamans to help them to initiate their children? How are they going to find the shamans to help them become spiritual grown-ups, for goodness sake, if they can't go find them? So we're going to talk about shamanic initiation here for this moment. And as we do, though, I want you to keep in mind that, as I said in the very beginning of the show, any, any path of mastery in life, you know, coding for computers is a path of mastery. Anything that requires really an art is a path of mastery. Cabinet making, um, engine design, parenting, frankly, law lawyering, doctoring, all of these things are paths of mastery if you choose to engage in it in that way. And if you choose to engage in it in that way, which means you take your job from, you go from job to career to calling, if you, if you make that leap by how you choose to engage with your life, you step onto a path of mastery. Again, it's always there. It's like the spirit world. It's always there, but not everybody chooses to step there. Most people would like something easier. But easier actually amounts to less meaningful and somewhat repetitive and, from my judgmental perspective, boring. Okay? So that's where we are. Path of mastery. 
And every path of mastery has a kind of initiation. There is a time when that person who works with wood becomes one with the wood, surrenders to the wood and to what the wood wants to become. Michelangelo and the marble, freeing the statue from the marble. These are these are people who have moved into that place of surrender in their path of mastery. So I'm going to talk about shamans, but understand to greater and lesser intensities, these things are true for any path of mastery. And for those of you that want a life that is a path of mastery, listen up. Okay, so, oh, one more thing about the um, Encyclopedia of Shamanism. Do not, I repeat, do not go to Amazon.com for the Encyclopedia of Shamanism, please. They, in spite of my best efforts for two years, they will not correct the information. So do not go to Amazon.com to get your handy-dandy Encyclopedia of Shamanism. Go to my website, and you can get it for $90. We'll ship it anywhere, and you'll be happy as a clam with it. Um, it's two volumes. It's big. It's helpful. So just to let you know how helpful it is, I'm going to read a little bit about initiation. So shamanic initiation means beginning. Initiation means beginning. Its function is to open the novice shaman to the other world. Initiation begins a life of direct contact to spirit for the shaman. Initiation also means transformation. It causes a radical change in the initiate forever, paradigm shift. Initiation creates shamans from those who have been called, and not, who are, not all who are called will complete this transformation. Initiations may be spontaneous, begun suddenly by spirit's intervention into the initiate's life or formalized, set in motion by the initiate's human teachers as part of an ordered training process. Regardless of the form, initiations have three phases, a beginning, middle, and an end. So these are the qualities of the beginning phase. The initiate is separated physically from the community and his or her normal life. The initiate, in essence, is thrust into the unknown. The initiate does not know where he or she is, and after using all of the familiar resources, the initiate realizes that he or she must surrender to the situation. Another quality in the beginning of the initiation is that you accept an unknown outcome. The initiate will stay in this phase until the knowledge, assumptions, and control are overwhelmed by the uncertainty and unpredictability of the situation. The initiate realizes that the life as they have known it is at risk. And finally, this is all in the beginning phase, the initiate becomes aware that he or she is alone and unprotected in an unknowable situation. Now, that's the beginning of a shamanic initiation. So most people are going to bail right there because as contemporary people, we are not given the chops to value surrender to value the unknown, to value being in an unpredictable situation and functioning in that kind of internal personal chaos. Okay, moving right along, the middle. The middle of the initiatory experience is marked by a realization that there is no turning back and a sequence of revelations, though not necessarily in this order, that follows the realization that there's no turning back. So one is that going forward further into the unknown is the only way to avoid death. The realization that the parameters have been set by the spirit world. You are not in control of anything. The realization that the only option is to give up control. In other words, either the ego dies or the whole person dies. But somebody's going to die. And the initiate's emotions become huge and overwhelming. 
So if you don't deal with your emotions and you think you're called to be a shaman, it isn't going to happen. You have to be willing to go there. And emotions, by their very nature, at that size and amount and intensity, are extremely chaotic. So the initiate's imagination is fully activated, making everything feel extreme. And finally, the initiate fully realizes his own weakness, wounds, and limitations and surrenders to the need for help from the spirit world. From this place of revelation and surrender, the initiate is guided to something within his or herself that is hidden. If initiates can merge with that hidden aspect, they become greater than they were before. They are then able to take action in ways they were unable to conceive of moments before. With that action, the initiate has sacrificed everything he is for the possibility of becoming something greater and moves then from the middle of the initiation to the end. So once again, we're still not done with the initiation yet. For most people, they're going to, if they get this far, they're going to bail right here. Right? I've become something greater than I was before. My ego kicks in again. I'm back in my life. So the completion of the initiation begins with this death and truly allowing the death of the ego, the death of the initiate's ego self. This death allows a new bonding to the spirit world and the initiate experiences the birth of identification with his soul self. The shaman's soul, through its connection with all things, aligns with the will of the cosmos. Something within the shaman, number one, changes forever. The shaman is, number two, more alive and sensually aware of life than before. And in many cultures, the outward and palpable evidence of change, like a scar or a tattoo, is made symbolically. Or is made on the shaman so that this transformation is known to anybody. And the shaman finally will return to the inner bonding between self and spirit during every aspect of his shamanic work and in daily life. The initiation is complete when the shaman emerges from this initiatory death to take a new place in the community and is recognized in his role by others. So the initiatory process for a shaman is a whole lot more complicated than going to a workshop. And it is a whole lot more complex than going off to another country to experience their initiatory practices. And one of the things we need to understand is initiation is a function. If that function doesn't happen, it doesn't matter how many rituals you've done. It doesn't matter whose rituals you did. It doesn't matter how well this works in their culture. Just because it's a traditional initiatory form doesn't mean the function takes place for every person every time. Because frankly, in a traditional initiatory form, they already know it isn't going to work for everybody every time. One of the hardest things to deal with in terms of the initiation from childhood to adulthood is at times a child didn't make it and they either died or were left crazy. That happened. That's a challenging thing for us to wrap our head around. But similarly with shamans, not every shaman who the spirit world comes in to try to initiate succeeds in that initiatory process. And similarly, they either die or they come out a little crazy or a lot crazy for that matter. So, one of the things we need, you need to understand as you're picking your shamans is just because they've spent seven years going off to do initiatory experiences in Peru doesn't mean they're initiated because what we need to understand is that did the function of the paradigm shift occur within the person. And that's why it doesn't really matter whether it's in traditional initiatory forms or a chaotic, spontaneous experience. All we're looking for is that the actual transformation of the person occurs, the person allows what was to go, 
and allows the birth of the new person and plants that person in life. So that's what you're looking for when you're picking shamans, everybody. And if they can't, they may not want to tell you about their initiatory experience, but you can hear it in their voice if they've had one. So that's what you're looking for primarily when you look for a shaman. So as we come back to our final uh, section here today, we're going to talk about what do we need to do to overcome and reintroduce initiation into American culture. So welcome to the show, and thank you very much, and I hope to talk to you in the next section. Welcome back, everyone. I have an email from Martin in and I'd like to share it because he's describing, we're kind of going back to the initiation from childhood to adulthood, since that's the thing that applies to every single person listening. So what, uh, what Martin is sharing is that at 21 and just out of the university, I felt a call to work in Alaska on a fishing boat. I can't explain it at the time. This was before the TV show Deadliest Catch. I was a kid from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I didn't know a thing about ships or fishing. Upon borrowing the money, I bought a ticket to Seattle, pounded the pavement, and landed a job on a fishing boat with the fishing company of Alaska. In five days, I was up on the boats, and I knew I was way in over my head. I was out at sea, and I quickly realized that I may not ever set foot on earth or see my family again. I was in the very real possibility that I would die out at sea. I went to a deep, scary place. Everything I knew was of no use, and I realized I only had spirit and my own flesh and blood to get out of the experience. Not only did I successfully return after my trip, I rose to be the bosun's right-hand man, and I look back at this time in my, as my initiation to manhood. I feel I was called by my life to seek out the initiative ex, in, initiatory experience, and once there, all I could do was live it out. There was no turning back, and I would either make it or die trying. And he, Martin closes saying that he's eternally grateful for that experience. So what is it that we need to do to allow our culture to reintroduce initiation, like Martin's experience, into our culture so that our culture can begin to become sane again? I mean, I really believe that at the core of our slipping into the Prozac nation where people's mental unwellness over decades turns into mental illness. There, no, I'm not saying there aren't straight right out of the birth canal mental illnesses. There are. But what I'm saying is there's this ever-encroaching mental illness in America that is unnecessary if we simply choose to live in a different relationship with our soul. And I believe that this is one of the greatest gifts shamanism offers us, is the means by which to do that for every ordinary person. So if we bring initiation back in, one of the first things we need to do is to encourage people to do things like trust that instinct to throw your college degree to the wind for a year or two and go to Alaska and fish on a fishing boat. I mean, it didn't make any sense to him. I'm pretty sure people wanted to talk him out of it at the time. But to be willing to do things that don't make any sense, that that bring us into the unknown, because they offer us this kind of challenge, potentially. So one of the first things that we need to change culturally for us is our beliefs and expectations about life. Our, our idea that the purpose... In, from um, you know mid-childhood into young adulthood is simply to become profitable, to become a profitable person. 
That's not the point of life. I mean, granted, you got to pay your bills. If you're going to turn on your switch and expect to get lights, you got to pay your electric bill. I mean, granted, you got to participate. But you need you can choose how to participate. So another thing we'll need to deal with culturally is we have got to change our relationship with death. We have to understand that a very realistic fear of death, and for those of you that don't watch Deadliest Catch, I have actually heard Martin talking about his experiences on these fishing boats. Death was very real and at hand every day. Any mistake, and a person could die. So being somewhere, either spiritually or physically, where death is possible, and not insuring ourselves up the wazoo to make sure nothing ever happens is a way to approach this. We must change our relationship with death and understand it as life's greatest ally. We also need to change our fear of craziness. We have to be willing to be out of control, to be in the unknown and not you know, spend the first 40 years of our life thinking we're actually planning everything. So those are the things that are going we need to overcome. And we need to be willing to understand that the true livelihood of our children is based on this, which means we risk that possibility that someone may not make it. But the truth is these kids struggle in life anyway. So the other thing is we need to develop a cultural value for surrender. We have a cultural value for anti-surrender. And it comes out of the way we approach sports and a lot of other things. We don't recognize the value of surrender, and we must if we're going to actually initiate our people. And so in in closing today, I just want to say very simply that the transformation of initiation requires context. We have to make it a thing. It does require fear for it to work. It can't be something that's pat and ceremonial and standard. And that ultimately, the process of initiation requires that the potential initiates surrender. It's absolutely crucial. Without surrender, there is no initiation, period. And so we must develop the capacity, internal capacity for surrender and the value for that culturally and to see it not as a failure but as as the warrior's choice and that willingness as a wise person to look around you and realize, huh, Everything I've learned up until this point in time is absolutely useless. And the only way I'm going to get through this is with my relationship with spirit and my simple, my wits and common sense and physical ability. So here I go. And sometimes in an initiatory experience, even your physical ability doesn't matter. It's your ability to give over, to surrender, and work in tandem with spirit. And spirit will get you through. So this is my call for initiation. This is my planting the seed for initiation. It's also a warm-up for next week because our guest next week is an exquisite human being, um, as are all of the guests. But this is um, Reverend Shaman Jean-Luc Edwards actually from Canada. We're having a foreign guest for the first time. And he is going to speak to us about shamans are sent as an answer to our prayer. And he's going to talk about initiation and shamans and being a shaman in the contemporary world and what does it mean and a lot of interesting things. Again, if you want the weekly notices about these interesting um, shows that are coming up, please let us know, Christina at lastmesscenter.org, and we'll stick you on a mailing list that's just for the radio show. You won't get everything else unless you ask for it. And it's just a one once-a-week reminder of the show topic and what it's about. The shows are all... Um, 
on the Voice America site to be downloaded, and they're also on iTunes, whichever way is easier for you. It's available for you to listen to the shows over again and share them with your friends. Um, Listen often and share with your friends. And let's see. Oh, and the final thing is after um, Jean-Luc, we have um, Ed Tick coming on again. Ed was with us um, a couple months ago speaking about war in the soul and what what is really required to heal the post-traumatic stress of people in general, but but soldiers, warriors specifically. And so Ed is going to be on the next two weeks. And so please speak to those you know and love who are touched deeply in their lives by the many, many veterans returning from the several wars our culture is engaged in at this time. Uh, We have to serve these people who have served us. Whether we agree with war or not is another issue, and it's a valid issue. But in the meantime... These people have served us, and we must serve them. So listen to Ed as well. So we have three great shows lined up for the next three weeks. I hope you will join us. If you want your very own Encyclopedia of Shamanism, just log on to lastmasscenter.org, click the picture of the encyclopedia, and it will take you to the page, and you can order it. And we're happy to send it to you for far, far, far less than Amazon.com is saying the book is um, valued at. And um, remember that... Much shamanic work can take place non-locally. I am available for healing sessions, for ancestral healing, soul retrieval work, post-traumatic stress work, all that kind of stuff. You just contact us, Christine at lastmasscenter.org. Thank you very much, everyone, for a wonderful show this week. I hope that you'll all join us next week and bring a friend.